0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of my podcast, Uncancelled Un- and Unplugged. Uh, this is a forum for, for thought leaders, speakers, uh, thinkers and practitioners who would normally at this point of the year be expecting to uh, be sharing their insights and experiences on stages uh, across across North America. Uh, unfortunately uh, those opportunities no longer exist so uh, we're having these conversations to get the ideas out there and engage in a conversation about uh, some really best practices in a wide range of of areas. Uh, Today's guest is Marianne Baton who I've known for many years and who has been a a pioneer in the area of workplace mental health which is obviously an issue uh, that's very front of mind for a lot of people right now as we're all Dealing with change and crisis and uh, and disruption. Uh, her current role is she's the director of strategy and collaboration with uh, the work with workplace strategies for mental health, which is a not-for-profit uh, organisation uh, supported and uh, by by Canada Life. Uh, I'll, when I post the uh, podcast, I'll refer to their website. There's a bunch of free resources there and uh, they've been longtime supporters and uh, uh, of mental health and uh, in the workplace uh, and I think really been one of the organizations that have, have driven this conversation in, in Canada for a number of years. So I'd like to welcome Marianne with to us today and to open with a question that you know had you know obviously when you were looking at your spring you were probably expecting to be doing a number of conferences what's been your sort of core message around workplace mental health that you've been particularly okay. focusing on recently and had sort of planned on uh, building on in the in the months to come
1: well I think it's not a coincidence that uh, my main focus was on resilience and psychological safety both of which are still really relevant right now and John you talk about what we were supposed to do I've had uh, 16 cancellations so far so it's uh, it's nice that we're still able to uh, chat and get the message out, but in the comfort of our own home.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, um, so when you say resiliency, I mean, are there is there sort of a, uh, any specific kind of skills and, and characteristics of people that you've been focusing on around around that, or?
1: Well, so we have the Plan for Resilience, which we had rolled out over a year ago, and we've been delivering it across the country. And what it talks about is really the idea that um, life's going to throw curveballs at us. This is kind of a really big one right now, but that resilience isn't avoiding stress. Uh, Resilience is being able to deal with whatever life throws at you. And then coming out the other side of that, not that it's not painful, not that it's not stressful, but you come out the other side, thinking about what you've learned, what you've gained, how you have grown from the experience, rather than just simply feeling uh, overwhelmingly negative about the fact that you ever had to undergo a stressful situation.
0: So... I mean, are there any specific strategies that you're finding particularly useful right now around resiliency, given that our environment has changed so much and resiliency is is required, I think, that much more than it was only a few weeks ago?
1: Yes, for sure. So one of the resiliency uh, approaches that we have in Plan for Resilience is what we call the four A's. So this was developed at the University of Chicago, and we've adapted it to make it easier for people to use When we are stressed, our decision-making capacity is impaired because of that stress. So we may go around and around about a stressor thinking there's nothing we can do about it because we're not thinking objectively. The four A's help us to look at something in a more critical fashion. So the four A's are to accept, avoid, alter, or adapt. And I'll just quickly describe them for you. And the process is to think about both the pros and the cons of doing any one of these four A's. The first one is accept. So to accept doesn't mean that you just say, there's nothing I can do about it, I just have to suck it up. What it means to accept it is to understand that you have no control over it right now. And to make the best of the situation. So right now, um, we are in self-isolation and you are making the best of it by connecting with people, by sharing what you have to share to help others. That's what accept would mean is what can I do to manage in this time in the best way possible? Avoid. Um, Now, some people would say, well, if you avoid a stressor, you're just in denial. But I think about a colleague of mine who um, is a recovering alcoholic. And when they travel, they call ahead and say, empty the minibar. So, yes, they're avoiding that stressor. But since we only have a finite amount of willpower, it's a really good thing to avoid stressors you don't need. So if you're working from home right now and you're finding um, that the cat keeps walking all over your laptop, you might just close the door and keep the cat out for a while if that's easier for you. So, avoiding a stressor is not always a bad thing.
0: Yeah, and, and- I would think if I just in the current situation, one of the things that, that I know I, I struggle with is not consuming too much news you know, that I, I need to sort of set boundaries around watching the news because very little of it is is terribly encouraging. Uh, so that, that would be an example of, of avoiding something that could, could stress you out, right?
1: And that's a great example. We need to be informed, but five minutes three times a day is more than enough news to consume in a day. You'll get what you need. The other thing, though, about the news, John, just while we're on it, is that people need to be very critical about the sources that they use so that they're not hearing sensationalism or doomsday kind of news reports, but rather the facts and helpful information that we can use to improve the quality of our lives right now. So the other A's, um, alter is when we change our external environment. So things that are within our control that we can manage. So again, if you happen to be in your home all the time, maybe you could designate spaces where people can go to have some quiet time once in a while. Um, Altering can reduce stress significantly if you have the power to do so. And the last one is to adapt, and that is to change the way we think about something, to change the way that we interact with something. So I talk about the fear that we um, reasonably have about what's going on and that to think happy thoughts is not realistic and it's not helpful. So what we need to do instead is to sit with our fears and concerns, maybe even write them down if that's good for you, write down what you can do about any of them. But then leave it aside, only spend maybe five minutes a day facing your fears, thinking about what you can do. And then the rest of the time, maximize the time that you have, optimize the experience that you're creating in this moment, because these are going to be memories that we're going to have for the rest of our lives. It's such a huge event in history that we're going to be talking about it. And if you think about creating your story, creating um, who you want to be right now, creating the memories that you and your loved ones are going to have, you can have a much more positive impact for yourself and for others.
0: Right, I had a I have a, a friend who started a thing today on on Instagram called Hearts for Healers. That's Hearts Number Four Healers, and she's inviting everyone to, um, uh, particularly if they have kids at home, to get their kids to make uh, art, artwork with with a heart in and sort of d- dedicate those to the people who are on the front line in healthcare or in in, in grocery delivery, the people who are keeping. The, the you know the wheels running and saving our lives that seems like quite a good example of that a way of kind of reconfiguring what's happening and and getting involved in a way that's that's more um more positive and it also ties into something we were talking about earlier around gratitude the power of gratitude right
1: yeah I love that example John it's um it's constructive on so many levels keeping the kids busy doing something to boost the morale of others that's an amazing example I um, went for a walk yesterday, keeping socially distant, but someone had written in colored chalk these inspirational messages on the sidewalk. And I can't tell you how thrilled I was to come upon that and think, yes, we're all isolating, and yet we're all in it together. So whoever took the time to do that, um, I like. I think. I don't know if they really understand how much it's appreciated.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you, you mentioned there that, um, and it's certainly a, a phrase that I've seen repeated a lot lately. You know, we're in this together, uh, and that leads me to ask about you know an issue that that. Again, I, I know it's something you've been uh, you've been speaking about and, and have addressed in in your work over the years. But the issue of is social isolation and, and loneliness um, in the UK there's a minister for for loneliness. Um, there's been a number of initiatives that I've seen here that the Genwell project, who are going to be guests on the show uh, in a, in a week or so, The it does seem to me there's been, that there's increased recognition of the, of the negative effects that loneliness can have and the fact that in a time of where we're being asked to physically isolate ourselves, we need to make extra effort and look for opportunities to connect. Uh, that surely is a, a key part of building resiliency.
1: Absolutely. And the thing about um, social connection as it applies to resiliency is it's not enough to reach out and help people. You have to also be able to accept and even better to reach out for help yourself, to be truly resilient. And I found this out the hard way. When I um, burned out, John, it was because Mm -hmm. I really believed that I didn't need anybody's help. I didn't want to burden anyone. I didn't want to bother them. And as I started to learn about this, I realized that somebody said to me, How do you feel when you help people? And I said, I feel great. I feel like I have purpose, value. I feel honored that they would ask me. And they said, Why would you deny that to anybody else then? Why do you hold them at arm's length and not allow them to help you? And it was a wake up call for me that if I want to have a truly um, intimate, and I don't mean it in that way, I mean intimate as a close relationship with people, I have to be able to accept help as well as to give it. And by doing that, you can eliminate loneliness because there's so many people who want to be there, that want to help. All you have to do is accept it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's an important message for, for leaders at this point where you know where where you know you've talked about how to manage your your resiliency, I think you know people often looked and, and you mentioned about you know getting information from trusted sources. you know we look to our leaders for reassurance for uh, a sense of of security you know what's happening in the organization. you know will I still have my job here in in a month 's time? is my how's my role going to change? and leaders are going to find themselves having to uh, deal with those kind of requests from people at the same time as making sure they themselves are resilient. And it's obviously very hard, I think, for leaders. You know, the, the, I think the hardest phrase for uh, any leader to say, the two hard, really hard phrases are maybe I don't know and I need help. Um, so I think there's an important message there, particularly for leaders. right?
1: Oh, John, you just hit the nail on the head. And right now, leaders really don't know. I mean, there is no leader that can say, I guarantee you this is what's going to happen and this is how it will roll out because none of us know. And so they need to be um, uh, being able to be calm and reassuring at a time where they're probably not calm or reassured themselves. I know that um, a lot of the leaders that I've seen, they're starting to connect with their team um, just for 15 minutes a week, but only on social things. So it's not about work at all. It's just we're humans all going through this. How are you strategizing? How are you coping? Um, What's funny in your life? What's challenging? And what can we share? I think that's great to humanize it. I think with the work, the more um, most people who are working are finding it a distraction and almost a sense of stability because they still have purpose they still have something to do. And for those who have been laid off, that's what they're looking for. What could I do? How could I help? How can I contribute? And again, I think all these things will help deal with loneliness and social isolation. There's so many people that you can help. And there's so many people who want to help you.
0: Absolutely. So uh, another thing I think that, that that I'm I'm certainly seeing, and and you know perhaps you can you can either you know ar- ar- argue with that or confirm it. Uh, you know as, as I mentioned, you know you know we see this sort of increased focus on connection and 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 recognition of the of the, um, the the health effects, the adverse health effects of loneliness. Another area which I don't think again has had had quite the attention it's deserved over the years is that is the notion of grief. Um, and and I think it's something that we we all find very difficult to deal with in ourselves, and also we find that difficulty in terms of helping others that sense of awkwardness and you know what do I say? what do I do um and and obviously, I think you know however the current situation plays out. Almost everyone is going to be dealing with, with a loss of, of one kind or another. Do you have any any advice or direction around, around that? Is that something that you're, you're seeing more of now?
1: Yeah, I think, first of all, John, we need to be clear that grief is the loss, not just of a loved one. But the loss of your job, the loss of your freedom to go and wherever you want to go, the loss of your identity if it was wrapped up with your work, um, the, these are also losses. And grief is a very powerful human emotion that I don't think we talk about enough. And um, I was really fortunate that a few years back when I lost my mom, I had learned a lot about grief from my sister-in-law who's a grief counselor and she said you know you're going to have a hard time focusing you're going to lose some of your empathy or compassion for others because you're so wrapped up in what you're feeling you're going to have very little physical energy which you know you think well it's it's an emotion it's not my body but what we need to understand." is the body and mind are one system. They're not two different things. They operate together. And so because she told me all of these things, when I was experiencing them, rather than saying, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, what's the matter with you? Get over this. I said, oh, that's what this is. Okay, I'm going to work with this and just do what I can the way that I can do Mm -hmm. it and not beat myself up or berate myself for not being able to do it differently. This is the way that the people right now who are grieving the loss of a job, grieving the loss of their workplace, whatever, they also need to be kind and gentle to themselves and say, I'm just going to go and do one thing at a time in the best way that I can and try to um, continue but not feel like I should operate the way I did before, that I should be, you know, at 100% capacity because it's just not there.
0: No, and I think I think that's, um, you know, obviously we're going to – I think it, 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 my hope is that because it's something that um, – so many more people are going to be experiencing that we will be more supportive of, of one another more supportive and understanding and that that we both be kind to others and to our, and to ourselves i think is, is probably my my hope with that um so um i think you, you know i as we sort of conclude here, um, firstly, thank you so much for, for, for joining me here today. I think you've you've packed into you know what is a little over twenty minutes. Well, be a little over twenty minutes. So much really, pra- real practical advice uh, that uh, that people can use. But one of the things, I, I think, that probably worries me most about the current situation is that it's it's is the endlessness of it. We don't have an end. We don't have an end time. When I think back to say nine eleven, uh, which was like a very sudden shock. But the pieces of the world kind of came back together. I think, in retrospect, you know, f- fairly quickly for for certainly for most for most people. Um, this is going to go on for a while, and I know that you've uh, you've got some plans for some specific resources and and work that you're doing that's going to help people through this. Can you just share those with us, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up? You mentioned some videos and, and the like.
1: Right, sure, John. I say I can deal with anything except uncertainty. That's the most challenging one. And right now we've got it in a big dose. But we will. Um, We can only just take it a day at a time and to do the best we can. So the series that you're talking about um, through Workplace Strategies for Mental Health is just little one to two minute videos. And the plan is that I'll do them once a day Um, from Monday to Friday, and they're just going to be tips, techniques, ideas that can help. So there's going to be a series for just all of us, and then there's going to be a series for those leaders who suddenly have to lead a team that's remote and want to do it in the best way possible. And like I say, I said one to two minutes tops because I think that's where our attention span is right now. And uh, to keep things on a very practical level so that we can go, okay, I can do this. I can't um, change everything. I can't control what's going on. But there are some things I can do that'll make a difference. And there are things like about when children want your attention and you're. On a national conference call, or when um, you know you're you're really not focused on your work, and yet you're working till a de- for a deadline. It's all really practical things that might help you to get through this time.
0: Yeah, I've seen a number of posts on, on LinkedIn today with people saying, you know, let's all just agree that, you know, kids and, and pets are going to interrupt calls and stuff and just get over it and, and celebrate that rather than, than sort of making people feel they have to hide their, their, their lives in that way when they're on that, you know, serious business yeah. calls. So um, yeah. I think can, we all need to cut each other a little bit more slack nowadays. Yeah,
1: yeah. can I just add one more thing, John? Sure. And that Absolutely. is yeah. the concept of post-traumatic growth. We all know what post-traumatic stress is and that it's not a great thing. But what post-traumatic growth is, is that we go through something that is challenging, go through something that's really difficult for us, and we come out the other end stronger and wiser than before. I think Joseph Campbell called it the hero's journey. And I think this is an opportunity for us to have that post-traumatic growth. By starting to build it now, while we're in the middle of it, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How could I be a better person when this is over?
0: What a great, uh, a great point to end. I think, I think absolutely, hundred percent. I think that um, you know your own work. I'm sure that were people who've come across you before this and uh, and have applied that. That will really be a, and the work you're doing now will just be a great resource to ensure that. Uh, as many people as possible can certainly, you know, make um, come out of this in a positive and uh, uh, and growth oriented way. So I'd like to really thank you for your time here today, Marianne. And uh, perhaps we'll, uh, when things get uh, uh, get towards the end and the end is in sight, we'll have you back and we can explore this notion of post traumatic uh, growth a little bit deeper. That's
1: great. So Thanks, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Bye.